fortunate ones are getting out. <laughs> Could we read, please, in the book of Hebrews and chapter 1? Hebrews and chapter 1, yesterday, as Andrews has said, and many of us had thought of the wonderful experience that we had in our kingdom whenever the new king was crowned. It was a day of honor for us all to witness. I remember as a child of some years, and uh, uh, whenever we went down to the Queen's University, celebrating the, uh, the crowning of the late queen. I was three-year-old, four-year-old at that time. And, uh, and uh, it was a an honor for to see it yesterday. I don't know if you stayed in or not. Maybe you were out doing the garden. Maybe I should have been doing the same. But no, I stayed in, and my wife and I, my wife being German, uh, in Germany they don't have a king, a queen. And so, therefore, she loves the royalty. And, uh, and uh, so we sat in and watched it the whole day, and uh, uh, it was really quite wonderful, wasn't it? To see those kings and those queens come from the world, to see our royal family even coming from the United States of America, to come and do honor to the king and to his queen. And it reminded me of this portion here of Hebrews and chapter 1. Whenever we read of the crowning of the one that we have been remembering this morning, no less than the person of the Lord Jesus, who according to Revelation in chapter 19 is called the king of kings, I don't know if you've ever studied the, the royal family, but our royal family is really not too old. The throne and the crown of England started away back there in 802, when a certain king of Wessex, or if you prefer, West Saxony, which is, of course, Germany, <laughs> And uh, the king of West Saxony, the king of Sussex, that's where the title comes from, came over here and was crowned king of England. Through the years, King Knut came. And my family was with him from the Netherlands. He came from Denmark. And then you have 1066. King William I. King William, wasn't it King William? Can't remember. Was it King William? Richard. I can't remember. 1066. I have it written down. 1066. Let me see. William the Conqueror. And then you have different kings coming. You have the Blois, if you've ever heard of them. You have the Plantagenets. You have the Plantagenets and Lancasters. You have the Plantagenets and Yorks. You have the Plantagenets and Lancasters. And you have the Pla and so it goes on. 
Then came somebody from Germany again, from the house of Hanover, and he set himself up as king. And then finally they changed their name to Windsor. So I hate to tell you, but Charles is chairman. <laughs> he might not agree to that at the minute anyway. But all the kings came. And we must not forget, brethren and sisters in Christ, that the reason why they came was to do honor to that man, King Charles, because somebody had died. And if his mother had not have died, Charles would still be longing for yesterday. It reminds me of a story and by the way, these stories that I'm telling you are in one of the leaflets that I've left at the back there. I've left two leaflets, the king's sovereign and eternal throne. And it reminds me of one story that is really quite interesting and quite sad at the same time. The Duke of Argyle at one particular time was carrying the crown, the imperial crown. And the poor soul was so nervous. Is this recorded? The poor soul was so uh, nervous that he let the crown fall. And all he could do, according to Queen Mary, and this is her exact words. Let me see if I can find it. Yes. The crown fell and was all crushed and squashed like a pudding that had settled. That's what the Queen Victoria said. It reminds me of a funeral, and I'm happy this didn't happen to our late Queen. May I say Elizabeth the Great? But I want to read something to you here, and it happened at her funeral, the, the, the Queen Victoria's. After a short train ride to Windsor, the funeral party began the procession on horseback and foot to St. George's Chapel for the Queen's state funeral. But a, but a calamity occurred when the freezing horses pulling the gun carriage, carrying the queen's coffin, broke free. And sprinting and leaving the gun carriage, the queen was left to roll back into the dust. None other than Prince Louis of Mountbatten saved the day when he had the ingenious idea of having 138 naval officers drag the carriage to the chapel with rope. I'm happy that didn't happen to the queen. 
Elizabeth the Great's funeral. But I repeat that even though that was a solemn day for our country, if it had not have happened, then Charles would not be king today. And for me, it was very, very interesting yesterday, brethren and sisters, ladies and gentlemen. Whenever the archbishop turned to the north, I have no idea where we are here. There's the north up there. When he turned to the north and he called everybody and they all sang in chorus, God save the king. He turned to the south and they all sang, God save the king. And I wondered at that moment, Whenever Mr. Rushak Sunak, whenever Mr. Sunak got up and read from Colossians chapter 1 from verse 9, what God was he praying to? Because he's a Hindu. And they have a, 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 a thousand gods. So to which God was he praying to as he prayed, God save the king? Was he praying, for example, to Krishna, one of his gods? Krishna, after all, is according to the Hindu religion, the God who created all things. Well, no, it couldn't be because he read from God's word that by you have all the things been created and are created, referring to the Lord Jesus. So he couldn't have been praying to Krishna, nor could he have been praying to Shiva, another one of his gods, and Shiva is the god of the Hindu religion who preserves things. Because he read also, did Mr. Sunak, from Colossians chapter 1 verse 9 all, that not only were all things created by him, but by him all things exist. So to which God was he praying when he gave honor to the person of our blessed Lord Jesus Christ, the King of Kings of Revelation 19, whenever he said, God saved the king? I don't know if you stood. I don't know if you sat. I heard somebody had been drinking a beer, but that doesn't, I don't know about in here. Maybe you were drinking your coffee with your wife. I was drinking a glass of water. <clears throat> and the people of the Commonwealth all praised and said, God saved the king. One day, brothers and sisters, one day there's going to be an, an anointing. Did I say one day? Can I tell you it's already done? 
But one day we will stand around the throne just as we have been singing. And when you go to the book of the Revelation, you'll find that the church is mentioned from chapters 1 to 4, and then it's not mentioned again. But in heaven, the four and twenty elders are the representatives of the church on earth. And they are around the throne. And do you know what they do? They sing the praise. And we have been doing it this morning. Of him who sits on the throne, the king of kings, a prince and a savior. And do you know what they sing? Thou art worthy. Why? Why should we praise King Charles? Because we feel him worthy. How much more will we praise as we stand around that throne? I was a little bit miffed yesterday. Because Her Majesty Queen Camilla she did not come and own him, Charles, as her sovereign. Did she? And I thought that were rather interesting because they're not equal. She is only there because of him. One day we will stand around that throne. Revelation 4, Revelation 5. And we the kings and queens if you, if you wish of the earth we no higher than that. His bride will sit around that throne on our thrones. And we will take off that crown, not wear it. At the end of Revelation and chapter 4, we read these tremendous words. Having been honored for the work that we have done for our king in our lifetime here on earth and served him as best we can, cripples though we are in spiritual things. And in his grace, he will give us a crown. No, 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 no. He will give us crowns. And you and I will take off our crowns. And we will place them. No, we will not. We'll cast them at his feet. And we'll say one thing. Thou art worthy alone. To receive our honor and our praise and our thanksgiving as we have been singing here, and our worship 
Why? Why should we do it to the person of Jesus Christ? We read in Revelation in chapter 4 one reason. And that one reason is because he hath created all things by the word of his power. And just the other day, my wife and I were traveling out along this road. And we looked to the right, and we saw the hall here. And we looked to the left, and we saw the glory of your, of your scenery here. Excuse me. There's no comparison. The majesty of what you have here. The creator of all things. But in chapter 5, there's another reason why we should take our crowns and worship him. And that reason is because thou wast slain. God, this portion, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1, God, who at sundry times and in divers manners, who at different times and in different ways, spoke unto our fathers by the holy prophets, he hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things. He's not yet king. Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, when he had by himself When he had by himself underlined that, highlight that in the Bible. Verse 3. When he had by himself purged our sins, he sat down at the right hand of the throne. Not of the majesty. Fui. He sat down at the right hand of majesty, ultimate and absolute. Then we go on in chapter 1. Let us read it together. Verse 7, verse 8. And unto the Son he saith, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter, the king held it yesterday, a scepter of righteous rule, 
is the scepter of your kingdom. He left, held in his left hand, I have no idea what the glove's about, I have no idea what that's about at all. But he, on his right, left hand, he had the, held the orb. Do you know what the orb stands for? It's hollow, of course, inside. But the orb stands that in his left hand he holds the four corners of the world. Wow. Now that's a position to take. Thy throne, O God, verse 8 again, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteous rule is the scepter of thy kingdom. Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore God, even thy God, hath anointed thee, thy, uh, anointed thee with the oil of gladness. Above thy fellows, we saw it yesterday when it was down there. Now we're thinking of the king of kings and absolute majesty. And thou, O Lord, verse 10, in the beginning hast led the foundation of the earth and the heavens are the works of thy hands. They shall perish. Says verse, says chapter 21 of the book of the Revelation. Says Second Peter and chapter 3. He shall take this earth. And with an unimaginable explosion of power. Of his tongue. He shall annihilate the works of mankind. When did you last paint your home? <laughs> my wife was growling, excuse me, my wife was talking to me yesterday about that. About painting her, the home. That little bit of skirting there, son, needs a little bit. And I was able to turn around and say, my darling, because that's the way I talk. My darling, all these things shall be folded up. Happy day, that fixed my choice. All these things, let me read it. And as a vesture, verse 12, shalt thou fold them up and they shall be changed. Now listen to the point. Who is he talking about? He's talking about the anointed king. And the anointed king is going to, verse 12, thou art the same, and thy years shall not fail. One of the subjects yesterday one of the subjects yesterday was quite sad. 
because they were talking about King Charles being 74, I'm younger than him. <laughs> By a few months. <laughs> and they were saying, you know, he waited 74 long years before he could get it. How long does he have left? And my heart came to this chapter whenever the king, the Lord Jesus, went back home. He was, according to this chapter, anointed in the privacy of that place. But we will gather around him in that coming day. And we will own him Lord of Lords. Actually, do you know something, brethren and sisters? You did it this morning. Do you know that? Whenever you took that bread, you reminded yourself, if you didn't, you should have. Of 1 Corinthians in chapter 11. Where the subject is, read it and see the Lordship of Christ. And as you took that bread, you will remember that man long, long ago who kissed the Lord Jesus just like William did yesterday to the king. And betrayed him. Remember the night in which the Lord was betrayed. There was a man who said, I will not have this man to be my Lord. Now as you took the bread this morning, what did you say? Did you just take it as I've done it for 50 years, whatever? Or did you take it with its meaning? I will have this man to reign over me. Long live the king. The king, the throne of England, as I tried to show at the beginning, and with this I stop. The throne of England has had many dynasties. From 802 right to, the, to now, which is 802 minus 2023 is a whole lot. And in that whole lot, there have been a whole lot of dynasties as we rhyme them off. Thy years shall not fail. It reminds me of Hebrews and chapter 8. We have a high priest who according to chapter 5 of Hebrews will not and cannot die. So brethren and sisters we have a king 
who cannot and will not die. Nor, nor does that throne of England need any support, as quite obviously the crown of England needed. It was at a, an opening of Parliament some years ago that the crown was taken and slipped and fell and the cross on the top of the crown went a wallaby down into the gutter Will that ever happen in eternity? Can I tell you, brethren and sisters, the throne and the crown of heaven doesn't need your help or my help. To solder it back on or whatever you do with silver and gold? There's a man in First Chronicles in chapter 13 and he was taking that ark, that ark, the throne of God on earth. He was taking it, I tell you. And he was taking it from Shiloh, Shittim, Shemesh, up there. And he was taking it down to the city of David, Jerusalem, which is just south of Jerusalem today. And as the oxen went over that rugged, rugged, rugged ground, stony and bumpy and chaotic, a wilderness, the oxen stumbled. And Uzzah put forth, that's about the man's name, Uzzah put forth his hand to steady the ark of God, to study to steady the throne of God. It was a natural thing to do, wasn't it? But when you're talking about the throne of God, you're not talking about something natural. You're talking about something almighty and spiritual. And as soon as that man brought in nature and nature's inclination to steady, God said, I don't need your help, son. Thank you. And he dropped dead in the spot, and 16,000 with him. Brethren and sisters in Christ, we are dealing with the king of kings. We are dealing with the God Almighty greater than Krishna, or Shiva, or Enya. We are dealing with the God of eternity. He will never die. And his throne is secure. And this morning we honored him. Let us go out in the words of 2 Corinthians and chapter 5 and 6. Which are the very words that we said to the president of Macedonia. Sir. We are ambassadors for Christ. Hold up your head in this evil world. 
hold up your heads. As one old man said to a child who had just got saved, you're the son of a king, son. No, you're the son of the king. Son. Let us go out and represent him. The King of kings and Lord of lords, shall we pray? Our Father in heaven, we thank you indeed in the name of the Lord Jesus for this lovely time that we have spent around thy table, the honor of which the world has no understanding today. They will sit around their table celebrating the king's coronation. This morning we sat at the king's table and celebrate, celebrated his life, his death, and his life again. Hallelujah, what a savior. We commend ourselves on this beautiful assembly into thy hands for thy richest, richest blessings until the Lord come. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. <laughs>